Tuesday morning to you, Oregon. I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon Podcast. Since it is Tuesday, this is an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode several years ago. Thanks for downloading, and I sure hope you enjoy it. This story was first published on June 14th of 2015 under the headline, Ship of Romance and Death, Met Dramatic End Off Oregon Coast. Here we go. Sailing ships and curses go together like Oreos and milk. Curses and graveyards are almost as good a match. And the Columbia River Bar is known as the graveyard of ships. So it's likely not a big surprise that plenty of cursed ships have seen their possibly imaginary doom carried through to a not-at-all-imaginary conclusion off the wild and tempestuous northwest corner of Oregon. On a clear December day of 1906, a lookout in the steamer Northland was scanning the ocean when he spotted what looked like a large derelict hull far off in the distance. Upon investigating, the steamer crew members found themselves staring at a big, waterlogged, dismasted thing that had apparently once been a bark. Its masts were all broken off at the hounds, and the remaining rigging hung in long-neglected disarray. The steel hull was stained with rust. It listed heavily to starboard. The lifeboat on the starboard side was gone, indicating that the crew had at least attempted to abandon ship. The barely legible paint on the transom proclaimed it to be, or to have once been, the full-rigged bark Melanope, out of Liverpool. As the sailors tentatively explored the long-abandoned hulk, a strange, wavering cry reached their ears. Investigating, they found in the forecastle a small dog, nearly starved to death. The dog, which was taken quickly aboard the Northland to be nursed back to health, was the only sign of life on the ship. What had happened? It was a great question, but one that the skipper of the Northland was only secondarily interested in. The wallowing hulk was a valuable find, and he immediately got about putting a line on it and towing it to Astoria. Several weeks passed before the salvers learned the story of the Melanope. She had been dismasted in a gale and thrown onto her beam ends, swatted flat against the sea like a mosquito. This sudden motion had caused the cargo in her holds to shift en masse, piling up on the starboard side and giving the ship a dangerous list. Convinced she was going down but fast, the crew had hastily abandoned ship, taking its chances with the howling gale in a lifeboat. Miraculously, they'd survived, but Queenie, the ship's dog, had been forgotten in the rush. Some of the Melanope's former crew members considered this an unusually lucky end for a singularly unlucky ship. The Melanope had been known as a cursed vessel since its first launch in 1876, when, according to the notoriously unreliable accounts of the sailors, an old woman was found peddling apples to its passengers as it left Liverpool on its maiden voyage to Australia. She looked like a witch, she had no tickets, and nobody knew how she'd gotten aboard. The captain put her off the ship with some firmness, an action which infuriated her. According to the story, it took three seamen to take her off the ship and on to the tugboat, fighting and scratching and screaming blasphemies and calling down curses upon ship, captain, passengers, and crew, as the passengers looked on with wide eyes and gaping mouths. Then, from the tug, so the story goes, she pronounced a heavy and ominous curse upon the Melanope, a curse the ship would labor under for the next thirty years. Of course, curses are not a real thing. 
but Sailor's belief in curses is a real thing, and it was odd that the Melanope was actually dismasted on that same maiden voyage after running into a horrible gale. Really, there can't have been too much in the curse of the Melanope because the ship survived three decades of hard service, from 1876 to 1906, before coming to grief off the Columbia Bar. That's a long and respectable run, considerably longer than average, but there is no denying that it was more than usually colorful. The ship was involved in at least three serious collisions, as well as several strandings and dismastings over the years. It was also involved in at least two odd romantic dramas, which earned it the reputation as the Ship of Romance and Death. An Australian debutante tried to commit suicide from its decks after her fiancé ditched her to go roistering on shore with his friends and the deckhand started teasing and jeering at her attempts to find and corral him. She was fished out of the drink, barely alive, and prosecuted for attempted suicide. Later, the Melanope's rakish captain, who was already married, got into an ill-starred romance with another woman, a wealthy young Englishwoman who had inherited her family's estates. The captain's mistress, named Emma Taylor, actually went so far as to buy the Melanope and sail the seas with him on it, on a sort of extended working honeymoon while the two of them carried on a long and torrid affair. But when she died of yellow fever, he lost his will to live and threw himself into the sea, and after that, sailors whispered that the ship was haunted by the ghost of Emma Taylor. Also, when the ship arrived in port under the command of the first mate, it had to be sold to pay off the crew, as not a shekel could be found anywhere aboard. Rumors that the first mate had absconded with a chest full of the mistress's gold, of course, soon were everywhere, and were, most likely, true. Those wild days were long gone now, of course. The Melanope had, it seemed, been dismasted for the last time. Abandoned at sea, she now belonged to whoever could get a line on her and tow her to a port. That is, she belonged to the skipper of the Northland now. After being towed to Astoria, the salvaged hulk of the battered old vessel was pumped free of seawater and sold to a San Francisco outfit, which cut it down for a barge. How long it continued to serve in that capacity, I don't know, but eventually the rusty old hulk was towed to Comox Harbor in British Columbia, along with just over a dozen other old worn-out iron hulls, and sunk in a line to form a breakwater for the protection of the log-booming area there. Worn and rusting away, the ships can still be seen there, rising skeletally out of the harbor at low tide, a reminder not only of the golden age of sailing ships, but that of Vancouver Island logging as well. Key sources in this story have included works by James Gibbs Jr. and the Shady Isle Pirate Society at bbprivateer.ca. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. More info is at our hub page at offbeatoregon.com. Offbeat Oregon is a division of Pulp Lit Productions, a boutique publishing house about which more can be learned at pulp-lit.com. Speaking of which, if you enjoy listening to me, you might check out some of my audiobooks. You can find them most easily with a search for my name on audible.com. Most of them are old pulp stuff, H.P. Lovecraft, Edgar Rice Burroughs, etc., but at least two of them are Offbeat Oregon history type stuff. Check them out if you're so inclined. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details, see offbeatorgan.com slash cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Questions, critiques, ideas for a future episode? Email me at fj at offbeatorgan.com. 
episodes of Offbeat Organ History are uploaded around 6 a.m. every weekday, so the next one will be on your device and ready to go before you know it. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.